and welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. Woo! And I'm Gavin. Oh, the Rick Flair. Let's Blair. bring it. Yeah, the, the Rick best Flair episode intro. we ever going to do. I like it. Yeah, and we apologize if on your uh, listening device or in your car that really pops and blows up. But uh, we're excited to be here today. I'm extra excited because of the movie we are reviewing and the day I will be having tomorrow. They coincide pretty well, even Mm -hmm. though we actually picked this before I had finalized these plans. But anywho, how are you today, good sir? I'm doing quite well. Always uh, always get a jolt of energy when watching a film from this specific library and uh, got to do a little rewatching. And uh, so, yeah, I'm doing quite well. Excellent. Glad to hear it. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine. Thanks for asking after the long pause. Well, uh, it's, it's a thoughtful pro- pause. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm soaking it in. Oh, this isn't, nice. this isn't a walking down the street. Hey, how you doing, AJ? Doing fine, Gary. All right. I like it's authentic. Uh, it is authentic. Very authentic, like the film we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, this week, I kind of experimented with going back on. So I've done, it was a couple years back. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was fall of 2019 because it was a, literally like one month before Thanksgiving because I remember my month had finished. Where I tried being, I went vegetarian for a month. Uh, and it was, I remember I had finished like, the one month, like two days before Thanksgiving, because I remember that's when I went back to eating meat. But, and I really liked it. I liked the, uh, you know, the way I felt. And uh, I was like, okay, it's a good way to, you know, especially if you do it right. Now, keep in mind, when I say vegetarian, that counts dairy and that counts eggs. People are like, oh, you can't have eggs if you're vegetarian. I'm like, yes, you can. No, I'm like, no, that's, that's vegan where you can't have any animal products. Technically vegetarian, you can have for me specifically, like whey protein, Greek yogurt, and eggs. So that's where I, you know, get a lot of my protein. So this week I kind of went back to trying it out. I'm thinking about maybe doing it again, like Monday through Friday for a while. Then, you know, if I want to eat some meat on the weekends or if we have plans. Uh, But it's just funny adjusting because as you do that, you may have a little more plant-based products. Or for example, this week I reintroduced tofu for the Mm. first time in a long time. Uh, And, you know, so you're having more plant-based products, you're having more tofu, you're having a lot more fiber. And so sometimes it's it's a delicate balance. You have to make sure you're not getting too much, otherwise you get an upset tummy. And so even last night, I kind of, my stomach was a little upset and uh, like this morning was still just being funky. And I went to morning Muay Thai training and of course, uh, the wonderful crew Malapet decided uh, this Friday morning class. Friday mornings are sometimes chill. Sometimes they're intense. Oh, this morning was intense. And he decided he was going to hold the pads for me for the first time Ooh, ever. Yeah, that's so, nice. And we were rotating, but the way the rotation worked, we did five worked. We did five rounds. I did two with him. And of course, I'm like, oh man, I want to look good the first time. But my, you know, I pushed through it. But man, my stomach was going crazy. But I was like, no, I can't show him. I can't show him. And of course, the way he has it, it's like he'll do a combo and he just has you do it like a hundred times. No breaks. Like, you know, uh, one, two, three, right kick or something. One, two, three, right kick. One, two, three, right kick. One, two, three, right kick. You just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So it was exhausting and I loved it. It was a great class, but my stomach was a little crazy. Uh, So yeah, that's what's new with me this week, uh, experimenting with that. But I will definitely... Will you, be you'll vegetarian. be breaking that. Oh, I'll be yeah. breaking that manana when I go. Uh, and Jessica is now coming with me. She Great. very graciously changed her plans, went out of her way. So I didn't, because I was just going to go by myself. Because I was like, I can't miss this event. Uh, especially because the more and more I read about it, it seems to be like a pretty legit thing. So tomorrow is Kung Fu Day in San Francisco, Chinatown. Now, even if it wasn't that legit, I should still be there, right? You know, we love Kung Fu. We love Kung Fu movies. I love Chinatown, San Francisco. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, But it seems to be there's going to be a ton of Kung Fu performances, Kung Fu demonstrations, Kung Fu speeches, et cetera, et cetera. Great networking for us in the podcast. And, uh, you know, you were thinking about flying up and unfortunately you weren't able to. And then Jessica had made some plans and forgot. So then she wasn't going to be able to. So then I was going to go with one of my uh, best homies from back home. Uh, You know, I was going to stop at his house on the way and then, uh, spend the night and then we were going to go tomorrow. But then at the last second, he remembered he had, uh, something he had to do Saturday afternoon. So I was like, crap. So I was just going to go by myself. Uh, and then Jessica luckily is going to go with me. So 
we are going to be going to Palette Tea House Dim Sum Restaurant, Ooh. the one we went to uh, about a year and a half ago. It's in Ghirardelli Square, so it's not in Chinatown, but it is some of the finest dim sum I've ever had. And like, even when I show my friends in Hong Kong, wait, excuse me, when I showed them, they're like, oh man, that's, that's on par with like the nicest restaurants here in Hong Kong. It is good. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, and I try not to snack throughout the day in Chinatown, which is really tough because they have so many good snacks. But yes, it's saving myself for that, that dinner. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sorry I can't make it, but I know you're gonna have a great time and uh, represent. Yeah, I just love going to Chinatown and walking around in general. It's just a bit of a trek, you know, door to door, probably three hours uh, is what it'll be. So it's it's like driving down to L.A. We're smack dab in the middle between the two, so it all depends on traffic. I mean, we've luckily we we kind of have our routine. We know where we park. We know where everything is. So. Yeah. Plus, you know, I don't mind if <clears throat> we're doing something fun and, uh, you know, we, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry about that. We went not too long ago for Chinese New Year. Normally we go maybe once or twice a year. So this will be our second trip this year already. So yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I love Chinese martial arts. Uh, I love the culture. I love keeping it alive. Once again, once I'm all done with my competitive kickboxing and so forth, you know, I've, I've stated many times I'm going to get back into traditional Chinese martial arts. Odds are it's going to be Tai Chi. I know my friend Tiger, uh, former guest on the podcast, Tiger. Hello, Tiger. Uh, Tiger Shu, he always gives me crap. Like, you know, he wants me to do something more dynamic and, uh, you know, get me to compete in like performance-based or something. Uh-huh. But I think... <laughs> Tai Chi would be perfect. It's something I can do anywhere, anytime, and the health benefits. So that's the other thing. It's like when you've devoted yourself kind of to one style, like I have, like kickboxing, you know, uh, but I guess technically it hasn't been one style. It's been all sorts of different kickboxing, right? I love all different kickboxing arts. You know, I've studied Muay Thai extensively, uh, Sabat, French Sabat, you know, French kickboxing, Chinese Sanda, uh, you know, what would be kind of like Dutch style and American style with our sensei, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. So I just, as a sport, like kickboxing, right? So it's hard to go from like one striking art to another. You know what I mean? It is. And so I, w- I would be down to like learn performance-based wushu, you know, uh, something that is not necessarily even real life applicable because that's not the point. You know, I just something for exercise and fun. But I'm also a stickler about kind of learning things in their entirety, and so I, I, you know, I'm like, how do you do that? Do you just learn a like Nantuan form or I don't know, but yeah, we'll see. That'll be a couple years down the line, but anywho, going to Chinatown, San Francisco tomorrow for Kung Fu day. So by the time this comes out, it'll be like, you know, five or six days later, but I hope I get to see some of you listeners there. And if you see me, I should be wearing our t-shirt. I was going to say, you're, yeah. you're going to be wearing the green t-shirt. I'm going to be wearing forest. our green, uh, our forest green uh, martial arts mania podcast t-shirt and hopefully interviewing people and getting some footage. So if you see me, come say hello. Sounds great. And, and for listeners who are uh, listening before June 12th, they can also maybe find us at uh, the New Beverland June 12th for the double feature. Oh, that's right. So we, we yeah, we should bring that up now. So we 100% will be attending the Double Kung Fu Monday Night Kung Fu screening on June 12th, right? June 12th? Yes. At the New Beverly Cinema. It's going to be awesome. They're doing A Book of Heroes, which is a really rare one, really hard to find. I've only ever watched a really uh, not stellar quality copy of it, uh, but A Book of Heroes with Yukari Yoshima, which is amazing those fight scenes are wow uh, i mean yeah super undercranked but they that's the style of the time and they're great and then kickboxers tears with moon yes. lee billy chow another really good uh film i've from never the Girls i've Guns. never seen that film in its entirety i've seen the fight scenes right. out of order i cannot wait to see it on the big screen so yeah so if if, if, if anybody's going to be going to that come say hello to us you can reach out to us on social media uh, we'll definitely be hanging out a little bit before and maybe a little bit after. So, uh, yeah. and you'll see us in line, you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll be, might be a little loud. We're, we're like that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm excited for you this weekend or as, as listeners uh, hear this, I'm excited for what you're about to experience, what you already experienced. Oh man. All right. So, uh, 
that's some martial arts news within our world. Anything of significance catch your eye this week in terms of? Not really. I mean, yeah. I know we've we've also had a real quick turnaround from recording oh, on Tuesday, and this is Friday, so. Yeah. Not not much in the last like forty eight hours since we last recorded. So or yeah, no no new trailers dropped that I can see that I or that I have seen since Tuesday to Friday. Oh wait, there was one that just dropped today. Whoa, and I didn't even get the chance to watch it yet. What? Uh, oh. The new trailer, the trailer for Warrior Season 3. Oh, okay. On not HBO Max, Max. It's Max. now officially Max. Uh, yeah, so I got to check that one uh, out. I saw the trailer pop up right before my jog this afternoon. So I was like, dang it. But uh, that should be exciting. So definitely pumped about Season 3 of Warrior. So let's go into movie quotes then. You have a quote for me today? I do have a quote for you. Okay. You must realize that the greatest weapon you possess is self-control. This could be from about 500 different movies. It could be. Mm. It could be, but it's only from one. And I don't feel comfortable doing the impersonation, Mm -hmm. not because it's in French, but because it's in Mako broken English. Right. That's a hint for you. With balance of power. No, no. Very close, because that was Mako. Eye for an eye? You're getting for, oh wait, no, actually you're getting closer. Mm. You're getting much closer. Mm. Who stars in Eye for an Eye? Chuck Norris. It's another Chuck Norris Mako film. Oh, Sidekicks? There you go. Oh, one of my favorite movies. Darn it. I know. Oh. But I, I feel like it's applicable to today oh. because it's a, gr- a great quote. I mean, if, if you really think about it, you know, honestly, you must realize that the greatest weapon you possess is self-control. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, definitely martial arts uh, in general teaches you that, right? You know, uh, as I always tell people, I've never once been in a street fight, right? You know, I've uh, had, what was it, 12 sanctioned kickboxing fights. I've had dozens of smoker and tournament fights, uh, but I've never fought in, I'm outside of the ring. I've never fought in the street, never been in a street fight, you know, and a lot of that comes from the martial arts training, the self-control, right? So, there you go. I like it. There you go. Okay. From Mako's lips to your ears. All right. So, uh, that means, wow, we got to it pretty quick today. So, uh, I think, once again, like you said, just because we have uh, already recorded so recently. But today, we are talking about the 1981 Shaw Brothers martial arts epic. Totally epic. Martial Club, directed by Lao Garleung, and starring the one and only Gordon Liu, Kara uh, Hoi. Uh, we've got Robert Mack in there. We've got Wang Lung Wei, a.k.a. Johnny Wong. A lot of great uh, actors from that era, from the Shaw Brothers. So yeah, Marshall Club. This film, and it's interesting. So this was one of your recommendations that we do, and I absolutely loved it. I love this film. I have the poster up behind me on the wall. But it's interesting how as much credit as it gets, it also doesn't get enough credit or really any credit. Now, famously, the stunt group Marshall Club obviously named themselves after this film, I'm Mm -hmm. only assuming. Uh, But it's kind of sometimes a forgotten one in the when people talk about the top kung fu movies of all time or even the best shaw brother movies or even like gordon Liu's best movies right yeah and for me i didn't see this one until i was an adult but a lot of that has to do with as i've mentioned before i didn't have exposure or access to that many Shaw Brothers movies as a kid. I know some people are the opposite. Some people grew up only watching Shaw Brothers then later got like into the Hong Kong contemporary stuff. I was the opposite, not by choice, but I, I can tell you pretty much the by by high school. So we're, we're talking like, you know, by the year 2001, I had definitely seen Shaolin versus Wu-Tang because I picked that up on VHS. I had seen the 36th Chamber of Shaolin because I was able to pick that up on VHS and uh, I remember my my mom actually picked me up a DVD of Return to the 36th Chamber that she saw at a mm-hmm. thrift store or something. So, and I had that one. I And then throughout high school, obviously, I remember watching Five Deadly Venoms because it was on Showtime. So I had access to that. I uh, 
one of the one-armed swordsman movies. So that may have not even been Shaw Brothers at that point, the flying guillotine one. So really, I just didn't have that much access to Shaw Brothers. And it's it's funny to me because nowadays you get a lot of uh, current stunt people, right? Current stunt actors, current quote-unquote genre fans or you know, the, the popular thing is, oh, yeah, I grew up watching uh, martial arts movies. Oh, yeah, I grew up watching all the Jackie Chan's movies. Oh, yeah, I grew up watching all, you know, kung fu movies, you know, black belt theater. And that's when I want to, like, pause right there. Because anytime I hear someone say that, unless you're from the tri-state area or, like, New <laughs> York from the 70s and 80s, as someone lifelong grew up in California, I never had, there was no black belt theater on TV. Like, zero whatsoever. Now, Maybe it could have been slightly different in L.A., which I've heard some L.A. people talk, but they say, oh, man, you know, I used to watch Black Belt Theater every week. Here's the deal. I call baloney because mm -hmm. had there been a Black Belt Theater, A, I would have known about it, and B, I would have been watching it every Saturday because I was already watching Kung Fu movies. You know where I watched all of mine on Saturday? On Univision and Telemundo, the two Spanish channels, because they would show a ton of martial arts and kung fu movies, as I've exactly. talked about. First time I ever watched No Retreat, No Surrender 3 was in Spanish, and I knew what movie it was. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, but yeah, I call baloney. And well, as, as you should, because it's, I think, I think when people talk about black belt theater or grew up a martial arts film, grew up on Jackie Chan films, and of course that starts with for them that's Rush Hour Two and beyond. When they when they contextualize something like that, it's it's prepackaged and people think they understand. But uh, to actually have access to these films for people like you and I, like for me, it was Golden Harvest first, then Shaw Brothers. Right. I had to dig for Shaw Brothers where where I was. But please please continue. Yeah. So I went off on a total tangent, but back to segueing back on course. So it was more so in college mm -hmm. that I was able through once, kind of once Netflix also started doing rentals and stuff like the actual ones in the mail, which they're, they will be discontinuing soon. And even just DVDs becoming more and more accessible. That's when I had more access to Shaw Brothers films. But really a lot of it came for me when I moved to China and not because uh, in like mainland China, they were super popular, the Shaw Brothers films, that is, I would go to Hong Kong. And that's when I first discovered HMV, the which is like our version of maybe The Warehouse, which did music and movies, right? People forget. where. Well, I guess The Warehouse didn't really do as many movies. They did some. So it's like HMV is like a combination of what we used to have, The Warehouse and Suncoast Video, right? Yeah. And so, and they had, they just had massive sections of the classic like Kung Fu films because that's part of Hong Kong cinema, right? And that's, so we're talking circa 2011 when I would make regular trips to Hong Kong when I was living in Guangzhou. I, every time I'd go and pick up some more, pick up some more. So I had dozens and dozens. And that's when I finally had access to these films. And that's when I started watching movies like Legendary Weapons of China. Uh, uh, great film, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, you know, the Chinatown Kid and, of course, Marshall Club. So that's when I p first picked up Marshall Club. And it was just such a treat to get to see these films as an adult for the first time, you know. We talk about that sometimes where even like our episode last week, uh, Licensed to... Uh, uh, steal to steal you know i we never seen it because we never had access to it watched it loved it it's a treat when we get to watch classic era films for the first time so immediately upon first viewing this film i saw how special it was how unique it was and just how stellar it was overall and i really like to see gordon Liu's portrayal of wong fei hung now coincidentally enough one of the Shaw Brothers films I did have earlier on because I picked up a VCD of it in Chinatown was Challenge of the Masters. So the first one where he played Wong Fei Hung, which is still a great movie, but it was four or five years before this and just nowhere near as good. And this, I mean, this isn't really officially a sequel. You know, it's kind of like loosely just because Gordon Liu's playing him again. But this film, Marshall Club, wow. I mean... Why don't you talk a little bit about it? Okay. Yeah, so, I, I just went off on a rant. Sorry about that, folks. So, no. So my my journey to Shaw Brothers Films essentially started with a video store in Chinatown on Alpine Street, just up from uh, the French Dip Sandwich Place. Okay. Blanket on the name. But um, I basically made my way through the entire Golden Harvest uh, film catalog, those films that are, again, accessible to us. 
Uh, I was ordering all the Michael Huey comedy films from them. Those were coming in, enjoying those. But there's this gap in time while you're waiting for movies. And they had this massive VCD collection <laughs> that was Shaw Brothers. And so it was like Weapons of the East, uh, just 36 Chambers, all of that. It just, it, uh, just in my, in my, box of VCDs, I probably have about 20 to 30 films and Marshall Club is one of them uh, along with, uh, you know, my famous uh, my famous auntie. My young uh, auntie? Which one? My young auntie? My young auntie, yes. And so they're j- just all of those films, but there's something special about Marshall Club and I know we're going to get into what's so special about it, but it is in many ways, all of these Shaw Brothers films, particularly those that were uh, directed by uh, Laura Carleon, um, they are, I feel like they're historical presentations of folklore, of fable, of fact, but they're, they're preservations. They're like a museum, mm-hmm. a living museum uh, that you get to go into. And what they're preserving is not just a filmmaking style that was by then moving in a different direction, uh, a martial, a, uh, a way to protect what Kung Fu looked like, but also, and probably more importantly, the essence of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And we did, we discussed this uh, almost every episode, but this, uh, this film in particular does a phenomenal job of, protecting the spirit of what martial arts is to us and not just protecting the spirit, but uh, being a, being an ambassador of what martial arts can be. And it is about honor. I mean, like I, I, I told you the, for me, the film ends on a, on a pretty, ends pretty close to a fantastic quote. That's probably slightly mistranslated. I'm going to read it as I, read it on the subtitles, the boundaries of martial art comprised of a boxer's morals, virtues. It's probably meant morals and virtues. Uh, but it's essentially, that is the that is the thesis of this film. So, yeah, the whole concept behind it is the, like, almost the equivalent of, in Japanese martial arts, we talked about this Bushido, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about the Chinese version of it, uh, would be, uh, so in Mandarin is Wu Da. Or in Cantonese, uh, molduk, I think is what it is, because they say that throughout the film. Uh, so wu de is like martial arts ethics, right? The ethics that you carry within martial arts, honor, honorable combat. And we see that the how the different characters explore this concept and evolve in it. And it's an interesting film because, first of all, nobody dies. Second... It's not bloody by any means. There's like two scenes where maybe guys get a little bruised up and bloody, but it's not gory. So complete contrast to Chang Che's style, you know, with the Venom mob and those guys who at the, and that's kind of one of the reasons why La Gar Lung left Chang Che's crew and decided to become a director on his own just because he was like, hey, I don't want to go this direction of like gore, gore, gore. So first of all, not gory, not bloody, no deaths. And... Some people argue, I, I would argue against this, that there's no real quote-unquote bad guy. There is an antagonistic group, They and I do consider them bad guys. Mm-hmm. But so, for example, our final fight scene, that character, the northerner played by Wang Lungwei, he is not a bad guy at all. No, It's more, uh, he's kind of slightly a pawn of the bad guys, but he himself is one of the most virtuous examples of Wu De. In fact, he's the one that's constantly trying to enforce it throughout the film. There's just some, depending which version you watch, uh, language barriers and or miscommunication barriers. So in this film, in the Cantonese version, he is speaking Mandarin, the character played by Johnny Wong, Wong Lungwei, the northerner. Uh, Master Sean, uh, I believe, is his name in the film. So he's speaking Mandarin. Everyone else speaks Cantonese. Uh, occasionally... Uh, Master Look speaks to him in Mandarin, the, I guess what you could call the antagonistic Shifu. Uh, but in the English version, so I, 
in full transparency, I watched all the way through the English dub because, you know, as you know, I love the classic English, English dubs. They do a really good job of having everyone speaking English. And it's just more so like there's miscommunication problems. You were talking about how you watched your VCD in the Mandarin dub, which then makes it strange because everyone's speaking Mandarin. So I'm not sure how they handled it there. Uh, but in the by this point, Shaw Brothers films were being like shot not like they were being shot in Cantonese Cantonese was the primary language during the beginning early days of Shaw Brothers as we all know they were typically shot in Mandarin the musicals were all in Mandarin everything was shot in Mandarin the actors were actually speaking Mandarin usually because of the Chinese diaspora throughout Southeast Asia and these films would be shown in Mandarin with the you know Chinese subtitles on the bottom by this point uh, it had transitioned over into Cantonese specifically because of kind of in the early mid 70s uh, you know, obviously we had the Cantonese Kung Fu comedies, but also like the Hoy Brothers films, right? Where the Cantonese mm -hmm. language became part of the film itself. So yeah, this Cantonese would have been the original release language of this film. And that's why the Northerner is, you know, speaking Mandarin and they have some uh, communication issues. So we should get into the plot real quick, just kind of set it up. So our opening sequence is actually where, you know, typically we have the martial arts displays. This time, though, it's technically like breaking the fourth wall. And it's our director, Lao Gar Lung, explaining lion dance rules and etiquette. So we have a lion dance going on and he kind of pops out from one of the lions like, hey, you know, no, 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 no. In the lion dance, do not smell the other lion's butt. Do not wink your eyes. Do not look. So it kind of to give viewers a basic understanding because, yeah, even Chinese audiences are going to be very familiar with seeing lion dances, but they may not know the rules or etiquette. Uh, and I personally don't as well. I've never been part of a lion dance team, nor have I ever competed. And the opening sequence after that is uh, one of the schools. So the school that our uh, character, uh, Yan Lam, played by Robert Mack. So that's kind of Wong Fei Hung's uh, best buddy. Uh, it's his school, which is run by Master Jung. And they're doing a giant lion dance ceremony. And it is, it's crazy. They have dozens of guys and they form like a human pyramid on top mm -hmm. of each other. And the whole sequence, uh, according to Frank Jang's audio commentary, took 30 working days to film. Are you, that sequence took 30 days? 30 working days. 30 so therefore, working days. Yeah, it was, and you made sure to note that. So therefore, probably more than a month because it's just so extravagant. And the thing is, you know, I've seen lion dances in person. You're never going to see something like that in real life probably because a, it would be dangerous as could be, but also just the complexity of it, right? And getting that down, that's why it probably took 30 days. I mean, they built a human pyramid uh, with guys just standing on top of each other. So our opening sequence starts off with that, and that's when the antagonistic school run by Master Look shows mm -hmm. up. And uh, with uh, Master Look's son, San Ho, who's kind of like our main villain character he shows up they have a big fight and then it cuts away to all the masters so we've got master look the quote-unquote bad sifu we've got master jung the quote-unquote good sifu we've got san ho the bad sifu son we've got yan lam the good sifu son all at pochi lam the school of wong Ying who's acting mm -hmm. as the mediator, and his son, of course, the famous Wong Fei Hung. So they're trying to kind of, you know, peacefully mediate, peacefully resolve, but that doesn't work because they all start blaming each other, and then that's where the friction of the film really begins. So uh, we also get to explore the friendly relationship between kind of, not frenemies, but competitive relationship between uh Yan Lam, the Robert Mack character, and Wong Fei Hung as played by the wonderful Gordon Liu. So they're always trying to one-up each other in their martial arts skills because when they fight each other, they're actually pretty even, like 100% yes. even. So they start coming up with ways to try to test who's better without fighting each other. And that's where they get into these comical schemes of paying off guys to lose to them, not knowing that the other guy also paid off a guy to lose to them. And uh, this is when our northerner first shows up and... Mm -hmm. Both uh, of them mistakenly have their uh, in Gordon. They're intermediaries. They're intermediaries. Sort of. Perfect. So Wong Fei Hung has one of his buddies go to try to pay him off to lose to him, and then Robert Mack has uh, his sister played by Kara Hoi, uh, uh, whose character is Gook Ying, 
uh, try to pay him off. And then that's what he doesn't understand what's going on. Robert Mack goes to fight him. And after giving him multiple chances, uh, Johnny Wong, the northerner, ends up hurting him really bad to where he can't talk. Then Kara Hoy's character thinks that Wong Fei Hung, the Gordon Liu character, purposely hurt her brother. And then they have friction. Then they finally resolve that. So the reason I bring up all these kind of little intricacies, because at the beginning of the film, we have both the Wong Fei Hung character, played by Gordon Liu, and we have the Yan Lam character, played by Robert Mack, as kind of, they're, they're young, mischievous kids. They're, they're good at kung fu, but maybe they could be better. Maybe they, they train hard, but maybe they're not as focused or mature. So after that, in fact, famously, we have the Yan Lam character always goes to the brothels and he brings Wong Fei Hung with him one time for the first time. And, you know, Wong Fei Hung doesn't participate in anything, but he goes and he's like, okay, whatever. But after the incident where Yan Lam gets seriously injured by the Northerner, Wong Fei Hung kind of has a wake up call. He's like, you know what? I need to mature. And it, it's not said how much time, but it's implied some time has passed. Obviously, Yan Lam is all better. And Wang Fei Hung has been training really hard and his skills are getting better and better. But it's interesting. We don't get a training montage. We don't get anything like that. It's just kind of implied. He's there. He's jogging with his crew and a guy falls off scaffolding and he catches him with his back. And it specifically said, oh, your back has gotten so much stronger. And mm -hmm. he's constantly trying to tell his friend, Yan Lam, hey, you need to cut out going to the brothels. You need to cut out this and that. And he's kind of like, nah, man, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's showing the trajectory of their different paths in kind of the martial code. Right. And, and what I appreciate about this film, and again, this, this does speak to Long Car Leong uh, as an auteur, in my opinion, he, and also protector of, of Wu Dan. Wu Is that da. how you pronounce it? Wu Dan? Wu Da. Wu Da. Yep. Uh, what you have is not that flash in the pan, grueling training sequence that we see so often, like in, in, in a lot of earlier martial art films, or even in, you know, we, before this podcast, or before we started recording, we were talking about gorgeous. There's a, there are some training sequences in gorgeous that are like, wow, this is amazing. Look at this. Oh, you know, they're great examples of like that short burn training sequence that where someone can, get over get over a particular hump make it to the next level be prepared to 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 fight uh someone who's betrayed them who was their former master uh what is fantastic about this film is that slow burn training yes. it it's it is definitely that's where the difference comes into play it's the discipline it's obviously, you know, when we when we look at these other films, like even Kickbox with Jean-Claude Van Damme, they're amazing training sequences. But obviously, these actors and performers are able to do these things before they're doing these wicked training sequences in film. And it's because they've taken the slow burn route of day in, day out training, giving up, sacrificing, staying disciplined. And that's what Long Car Leung really captures and Gordon Liu also captures on film because even the way he carries himself, yes. you know, in the beginning, kind of like a supporting role, kind of like the best friend who's going along for the ride and then slowly emerging as, as this, uh, it is slowly emerging as, as the folk hero, Wong Fei Hong, a very young Wong Fei Hong, a very strong, sturdy, confident, balanced, grounded Wong Fei Hong. Right. Cause as you see him maturing as Robert Mack still, and Robert Mack is obviously a skilled uh, Kung Fu practitioner. You know, he's still training, but he spends his nights at the brothels showing off for the girls, right? Like doing little tricks for them. And instead we see Wong Fei Hung, uh, who's been trained throughout the whole movie, but now training really hard, but he still has uh, some way to go in his maturity. Like he's testing out his leg strength and everyone's talking about how strong his horse stance is and nobody can break it, but he still has to kind of learn a lesson about humility, right? And his mm -hmm. dad... Wang Keying, the master, comes up behind him without him knowing and starts testing his legs. He's like, wow, you're really strong. Who is that? Sees it's his dad. So then his dad is pretty much like, all right, now you got to do like leg sparring, horse stance leg sparring with me. And that's his lesson to like, oh, crap, you know, in humility. But at the same time, he ends up being on par, if not slightly superior to his dad, showing that physically he's getting there. And his dad is obviously impressed. But, mm -hmm. you know, from that point, we now see him maturing spiritually or mentally a little bit right 
And what happens to our the Robert Mack character is he gets tricked while in the brothel by Sanho. So the, you know, from the evil school, the the son of the master of the antagonistic school, uh, he gets tricked in the brothel and they attack him and they jump him and not only beat him severely, like break his legs or his yeah. leg, excuse me. And so at this point also, the Northerner is now with the uh, Master Look school, but they're always like telling him, oh no, you know, it's, we didn't do it. That was them. That was those guys. And he's maybe slightly naive, but as the movie goes, he starts to realize, hey, I'm, these guys are sort of lacking the martial ethics that I'm all about. And I'm starting to see some holes in their story. But anywho, so at that point, uh, the Robert Mack character doesn't want to say who attacked him. So his master locks him up. And so Wong Fei Hung shows up and, you know, kind of teams up with his sister, the one played by Kara Hoy, and to get it out of him who did it. And from this point, he kind of tries to mediate again. You know, he's not going to their school to for revenge. He's going there to try to get him to explain and apologize. And this leads to more series of, of events of like fights. So they go to the school and the son, the the evil son, the uh, Sanho, he, the whole school attacks him, uh, attacks Wong Fei-Hung and Kara Hoi, and they're forced to defend themselves. And then that's when the Northerner shows up like, what, all of you against two of them? You know, what's, what's wrong with you guys? Like, that's not fair. That's not real combat. That's not authentic. And then still Wong Fei-Hung is always trying to help resolve the animosity between the two schools. This leads to the evil school and with the father included, uh, plotting a whole scheme of revenge where they invite them to their theater to watch the Peking opera for free, mm-hmm. quote unquote, then try to frame them for breaking in. And then there's a huge extended battle in the theater. But once again, Wang Fei Hung is always keeping that poise now. He's not the same young upstart he was before that would have maybe been more angry. He's level-headed. He's evolving into the Wong Fei Hung character of Kwang Ta King of the original series, right? The the ones that Lao Gar Lung grew up working on, in a sense, because he did. And it, it's interesting because he obviously he's still a lot younger, but you're now seeing this is the Wong Fei Hung that Lao Gar Lung wants to represent because he obviously took it very seriously, being that uh, Wang Fei Hung is technically his seagull, right? His like master, 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 because he's a direct, his lineage, because Lao Gar Lung learned from his father, uh, Hung Gar, and then his father learned from Butcher uh, Wing, who was a direct student of Wang Fei Hung. So pretty much we get, uh, you know, the the theater fight. And then at the end, the final battle is after a test of, Kung Fu strength and agility mm-hmm. that Gordon which lives, is which is which fantastic is fantastic. So pretty much, once again, I know we're going over things super fast, but after the theater incident, uh, the the evil school master look school decides to invite over uh, Wong Fei Hung school Po Chi Lam over uh, for an apology, but they know that it's going to be some sort of trap in a sense. And so Wang Fei Hung volunteers to go rather than his dad, Wang Kei Ying. And then uh, Kara Hoi, the sister from uh, Master Jung School, decides to go with him. And this whole thing is actually planned by the Northerner because it's not a, a trick or a trap. It's, it's a test of skill it's- and wit and strength. Yes. And I mean, even, even uh, so when they go to apologize mm-hmm. and then they withdraw, they know that it's also a test of character as well, because uh, when they withdraw to their school, to the to the so-called, I guess, the evil school or the antagonistic school, uh, the master's like, they're not coming. And he's like, wait. And then finally, Wong Fei Hong shows up. And that's when we have the sequence that we're, you're about to discuss or we're discussing. But it, it, everything, everything is a test. Right. Everything is a test of character and everything is a test of skill. Yes. And so- Rather than fighting, it's they are like, oh, your clothes got ripped in the fight in the theater. We've bought you all this cloth. And so what they do is like they roll out the cloth and it's a test of Wang Fei Hung's Mabu or horse stance, right? And he has to mm-hmm. outstrength uh, the uh, master look on the cloth, like who has the stronger legs and can pull the other one or whatever. And he passes that test. Then the next one is the sandbag test where – 
the northerner like throws a sandbag at him and he catches it because it's like, oh, or not sand. I'm sorry. It's rice. It's the gift yeah. is rice. And they're like, here, take this rice. And he throws the bag at him. He catches it. And the northerner kicks through it using his northern leg. And then, you know, Wang Fei Hung like throws one to him like, here, catch this. And then he punches through it. And each time it's like, oh, this is good quality rice. Like, that's the reason I just kicked through it. That's mm-hmm. the reason I just punched through it. So it's like they're playing a game. Then the northerner is like, here, take it to go. And he starts throwing him the bags. And Wang Fei-Hung has to carry like five on his back to show his strength. Yes. And, you know, there's one point where he throws one additional bag, which could be the fifth of the sixth uh-huh. bag. And uh, Gordon Liu's Wang Fei-Hung's knee touches the ground. And then that's when the northerner tells him, use your horse stance. So he's actually kind of, he's he, he's challenging him, but he's also in his corner he's he's that uh he's that he's like manager in the corner who's telling him what's gonna see him through this yeah and as he sees it and he so he's taking along the way he's taking pleasure in seeing the strength and growth and success of the Wong Fei Hong character exactly and so once he passes all the tests that's when the northerner uh master Sean uh is played by Wang Lung Wei or Johnny Wong uh, who is also from Jingwu, by the way. His character is from Jingwu in the North. That's when he decides, all right, now we're going to test our actual martial skills. And they leave the gym or the school and go in private to an alleyway to have their final battle. Now, before we actually talk about this fight scene, which is phenomenal to say the least, we should talk about really the fights throughout. So all the fights in this film are absolutely stellar. And this was peak Lao Gai Lung, traditional Kung Fu choreography. Once again, we're talking 1981. And so Lao Gai Lung's already been in the industry for, God, who knows, at this point, like 30 years. And as a director himself, you know, since the mid-70s, and you just see the involvement. And simultaneously, kind of how at Golden Harvest, Sam Jackie, those guys were at around the same time starting to create the contemporary style. But we were still getting traditional kung fu films like Young Master, Dragon Lord. Uh, this, around this time is when uh, Samuel Hung's The Victim came out. Mm-hmm. I know it wasn't Golden Harvest, but still. Uh, but they were starting to segue into the contemporary. Uh, and... But at the same time, their kung fu, traditional kung fu choreography had was reaching a peak, but so was Lao Gar Lung's. And the difference is Lao Gar Lung brought a different flavor and style in the sense because he was a traditional kung fu master. Whereas Jackie, Samo, Peking Opera guys, they're incredible, phenomenal performers. They learned like northern kung fu for the stage and they can learn any style like at the drop of a hat, you know, because of their physical skills and abilities. But they didn't have that quote-unquote, authentic kung fu background, in a sense, which Lao Gai Lung did. So by the time we get to this film in 1981, he's already done so many films as a choreographer and already directed some all-time classics. But here, it's just we're reaching this, this new level. And unlike Samo and Jackie and those guys that were utilizing, they would undercrank fight scenes, meaning, you know, shoot them at a slower speed and then speed it up to normal speed. So pretty much it's kind of like speeding up fights. But... Most, I mean, you can tell when undercranking is really bad or when it's intentionally <laughs> comical. Uh, but with Samo and Jackie stuff, typically it was just done so well that you don't even know unless you know. You know what I mean? So it's not a distraction. But Lao Gai Lung refused. He's like, no, we just move faster. So it's interesting. Like in the interviews, I was watching the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, multiple people talk about that in uh, – uh, also Frank Jang talked about it in the audio commentary. So – it wasn't a matter of we're going to undercrank and it's like, no, we're going to shoot at normal speed. You're just going to move faster. And that's why, just like with Samo's films, we've talked about that recently, how intense the filming was. Same thing with Lao Gar Lung's productions. And because they were doing these long extended takes of traditional kung fu choreography still, it was like 20, 30 moves they'd have to memorize and get perfect and really go all out. And... Because we have so many real martial artists in this film, that also helps add to it. Uh, just the, the choreography is just so phenomenal in this film. The shapes, the lines, the movements, the authenticity of it. So for listeners that maybe don't know, Gordon Liu, uh, who's you know wrongly sometimes stated as uh, an adopted brother of Lao Gai Lung. He's, he's a god brother, right? So he started learning at a young age from Lao Gai Lung's father, the Hungar master, and was like, became their godson. So... 
he is a lifelong Hungar expert. Uh, we have Robert Mack, who plays his friend in the film, who was a, and uh, this is from the behind the scenes interview I was watching. He was already at this point, he's very into martial arts ever since he was a kid. And so he, cause he grew up watching the movies. He was a Taekwondo black belt, a judo black belt. And the way he became famous overnight was he was the disco dancing champion of Hong Kong. And that's how Shaw brothers got their eye on him. They're like, Oh, disco dancing champion, you know, young, good looking guy. Oh, and he's technically an expert martial artist too. So he has the authentic martial arts background. Kara Hoy, you know, uh, didn't have originally a martial arts background, but was trained in traditional Chinese dance and started working with Lao Gar Lung at like age 17. So she had a lot of experience. But then we also have Wang Lung Wei, Johnny Wong, who one of the greatest villains of Kung Fu cinema, for sure, that I, I, I didn't appreciate enough as a kid because really of those movies I had mentioned, I had only really ever, like he only had really stood out to me in Shaolin versus Wu-Tang. And mm -hmm. so- but now as an adult, having watched him in all these villainous roles, and he's usually like a really bad villain, the Manchu warlord. In this one, we get to see him as not a bad guy. Uh, he is just so powerful. And the funny part is he didn't have a traditional Kung Fu background. He was a third degree black belt in karate. Really? Yeah. So, and it, I've tried to find more information online about what style it may have been, but in his interview, he specifically says, you know, yeah, I was a third Don already in karate. I don't know what style. Uh, I'd, if I had to guess, I'd say probably, you know, your traditional Okinawan style one, maybe. And that's why, because you never know watching him. He does Kung Fu so well, but he's so powerful, right? And that's what made him also really good to play this Northerner, the kicker. So we have all these really good expert martial artists working with one of the best expert martial arts directors and straight from the get-go even with the more comical fights between uh gordon Liu and robert mack right it's still amazing fast-paced upbeat choreography uh and then as things get more serious the fights definitely take a, a slightly more intense tone but that's so for example the comical fights at the beginning of this film or I should say the lighthearted ones it's not the same as knockabout like we talked about a couple weeks ago where the fights are literally kind of goofy no they're still hardcore from the get go like when we have Robert Mack and Wong Fei Hung testing each other's skills it's 100% because they're already very high level martial artists but as the fights go and as the film evolves then the plot progresses they just become bigger and bigger and more extravagant mm -hmm. and eventually accumulating in this final fight between the Northerner, Master Sean, as played by Wong Longwei, Johnny Wong, and Wong Fei Hung. Played and by Gordon and you, know, you know what's funny is you're spot on there because they, they do start not comical, but lighthearted, right? And then to quote you or paraphrase you, you're, they're getting larger, more spectacular. But when it does come to the final fight, it then focuses in like, uh, I don't know how to, I'm trying to think of some analogy. Like it, it just focuses in on the details. Uh, so you have, you've seen, you've seen probably some pretty significant grandiose fight scenes with multiple fighters against each other. You, and, and all of a sudden it just now comes down to, oh, how's, how's Gordon Liu holding his knees? What's his, what's his stance? What is, uh, what is the northern stance? How are they responding? Where is his finger touching? Where is his toe touching? It's everything comes down to the detail after the spectacle. And once again, it's because there is no animosity between the two. It's not mm -hmm. a fight of revenge. It's not a fight of redemption. It's a test of skills. So mm -hmm. that's what makes it unique, too. We haven't really seen this before. I mean, in Heroes of the East, there was a little yep. bit of that element, right? Yes. But there was a lot of animosity between the Japanese characters and the uh, Chinese Kung Fu expert as played by Gordon Liu. In this one, there there is none between the Northerner and Wong Fei Hung. It's more so like we are just testing our skills now, but they're going all out. And, yeah, and Go ahead. And, and, and just to piggyback on that thought for a second, some of the greatest fight sequences in film history have very have a lot of animosity, but there's also the one with Benny the Jet and Jackie Chan, mm. where Benny the Jet is just a hired hand, and I'm not referring to Dragons Forever, but Wheels on Meals, where 
it becomes a training session for Jackie. I need to train harder. And so at that point, that's when that fight sequence elevates. And, you know, even as uh, Benny the Jet falls out of the window, pull me up, we'll go one more round. Uh, the English dub version. Uh, what you have with a film that embraces, you know, kind of actually going back to the Mako quote from Sidekicks, uh, your greatest weapon is self-control. So when when highest level trained martial artists have a chance to breathe, we can we what I what I what I theorize is we actually get the highest level fight sequence, period. Uh, and that's what we experience in this film, where they're two people who are testing the limits and emotions are not present. Uh, you know, they they go down the zigzag alleyway and Wong Fei Hong compliments the Northern for picking this location because no one will know the result. It's just between us. Uh, so it's what I what I really appreciate about this fight sequence. And, and uh, you know, if we were to do our top five fight sequences again, would this make it in? Possibly because of the emotional content and the context of of the film uh and and how this how this is built up and also the choreography itself but um what i just appreciate is that this is about pushing boundaries uh the boundaries of their training and the boundaries of their uh their mindset excellent very well put and as they get farther down the alleyway they have to adapt their styles because it's getting more narrow. Mm -hmm. And, you mm -hmm. know, Wong Fei-Hung is very impressive. The Northerners are still able to kick. And it's definitely a contrast of styles. You know, both very hard, but the Northerner obviously is focused on his kicks uh, with some doubling done. Uh, Wong Lung-Wei even talked about the interview. He's like, you know, director Laogar Lung wanted me to put my legs straight up in the air in the splits. He's like, I can't do that, bro. I think they say like dude <laughs> or bro in the uh -huh. subtitles because probably what he said in Cantonese, the equivalent, like, yeah. bro, I can't do that. <laughs> like, so he had to be doubled for the standing split. And obviously there's one part where it's a fake leg up against the wall next to him. And during one of the leg holes, pretty sure they were using a wire for that, but, you know, he was still able to do it. However, you know, those slight little things aside, it's just an incredibly hard-hitting, super clean, like you don't see a better display of more technical kung fu than this fight scene, which is why it makes it, it's amazing to me that, you know, Johnny Wong didn't have a traditional kung fu background, mm -hmm. but his, you know, very high-level karate background made him physically capable of doing all this stuff. And especially uh, the kicking and, you know, the straight punching. And there's great use of slow, like some slow motion shots or like a brick exploding. They do a bird's eye view shot at one point, which is really cool. Yes. I really like due to the fact, I think because it's so narrow, there's a lot of doubling up on shots where like, for example, in kickboxing, if I throw a double jab, that's my lead left hand going twice in a row. You don't really see that as often in Kung Fu, but as they're getting more uh, sideways, the, you know, Gordon or Wang Fei Hung throws kind of like a lot of double attacks from his lead hand, like one, two, three, like in the same side, which mm -hmm. I thought was cool. And just, just a beautiful display of traditional Kung Fu. Like this film is maybe the perfect introduction one if you want to start with one of the best. And it's also a great one for younger audiences too, because really the only inappropriate thing I could think about is the fact that there's the sequences in the brothel, but that's just such commonplace for the Qing dynasty. Like brothels aren't exactly what we think about nowadays. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like I mean, a it, place it, of it, prostitution. Back then it was like a place of meeting and dinner and restaurant and yeah, they just and happen to have, you know. <laughs> it's it, they're, they're open to the street in, in the in this in this dynasty and, and essentially like, you know, uh, to all of our parents listening out there, you know, the the sequences are are uh, just tests of strength. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's nothing. No, no there's sexuality. No adult content. There's no adult content. So yeah. that's why this is like a perfect one for kids to really get to watch. Because as we said, it's not bloody, it's not uh, violent in that you know Changcha sense, and there's some great morals and values taught as well. So as for the result of the final fight, well. I think you guys should watch it yourself and come to your own decision. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's very good. And 
I, I, if you haven't seen this film already, I have the 88 films version. Uh, so, I, uh, you know, it's a, I'm pretty sure that's a British Blu-ray. I'm not sure if it's gotten yeah, its American one so. yet. Uh, I'm sure it will soon. Now, all these ones that were released before in the UK are now getting American releases, whether it's through 88 films again, or Arrow, or, you know, we talked about this, I think, on last week's episode. You, so, you could also watch it the way I watched yep. it. Uh, this time it's available on YouTube for rental, $2.99. Uh, it's in Mandarin with uh, English subtitles. Yeah, definitely worth the watch just because it's, man, I could watch this one over and over again, as I said. So I watched it the English dub one. Then I watched Frank Jane's solo commentary. There's mm -hmm. another commentary with Frank Jane and our friend Michael Worth, which I'll probably go and watch even though we've already recorded this. And then maybe I'll watch it all the way through in Cantonese again. I watched it like partway through in Cantonese today. To uh, I wanted to check some stuff about what the Northerner was saying in Mandarin. Mm -hmm. But you, you can watch this movie so many times in a row and find something new to appreciate each time and still be entertained. Now, I wouldn't recommend watching it every day, but... Like, for example, the next time I have a Kung Fu movie night with my friends, I usually let them pick. I'll just let them look at my selection. And if they were to pick this one, even though I've just done this episode, I'd be like, yeah, heck yeah, let's watch it. Uh, just because it is it is that good. And it is, you know, Gordon Liu, after playing Master Santa in the 36 Chamber of Shaolin, was kind of typecast as the monk character. But he was so good playing Wong Fei Hung. And, you know, without the bald head, he here he has the traditional cue, you know, like uh, the Wong Fei-Hung character does in uh, his interpretation of him as well as the Once Upon a Time in China series. But it would have been great to see him play more characters outside of the monk-like character. But he did. I mean, I, I, that's also kind of a misconception. I mean, like Dirty Ho, obviously Heroes of the East. But so many people have in their mind him as the monk-like character. But really, any Kung Fu film fans that have not seen this, seek it out. You will not be disappointed. You will have a heck of a good time. You will have so many amazing fight scenes, and then you'll have one of the most incredible ending fight scenes. So any final notes on this film, my friend? You know what? I feel like we've really covered this film, and anything I say would just essentially reiterate that. Oh, okay. You know what? I do have a final thought. Okay. And here it is. Okay. Um, you remember like in high school, we used to have those exams that would ask you if you could pick a time and place where you'd want to live. Did you have the, did you encounter those questions? Basically in English AP or I don't know if it was AP. I just threw AP in there. It was an English exam uh, where they're just testing your essay and, and ability to put together a thought that says, what time and place would you want to live in? That sounds pretty easy, why. dog. I didn't get easy, man. I did the IB program, dog. Well, hey. <laughs> All I know is I remember a question like this. It was one of the okay. questions on a test. I was in a room with a lot of students. It's a state state sponsored test, New York State. Um, anyway, watching this film, I would say I want to be in that period right there because it's 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 what we want from our martial arts training. Could you imagine like, hey, we've got Sifu Don with the school. We got Sifu Peter oh. Sugarfoot Cunningham with the school. We got. Uh, um, I don't know, seafood Don the Dragon Wilson with a school down the street. <laughs> and we're just like wandering around and, uh, you know, we're, we're all taking uh, martial arts at different schools. So we're, we're going down to Grand Central Market and uh, paying people a dollar to to take a fall after six hits. And then all of a sudden there's someone from uh, from Canada's coming to town. And uh-oh. French Canada. French Canada. French Canada. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Olivier Olivier played by Olivier Grunner. Grunner. <laughs> he can't uh he can't uh Speak. really understand what we're yeah. saying. We end up getting beat up and we learned uh martial arts that way. Hey, I I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that for sure. So, uh language corner, I mean, the obvious choice would have been the the martial ethics, but we've already done that, I believe. So instead, I'm going to teach us, and this is one that pops up at least on the new Blu-ray. Uh, like it, it, you know, pops up as one of the the titles on the school. It's pretty much how to say like uh, like a traditional Chinese martial arts center or school, which is Wu uh, Guan. Wu Guan. Yeah. So the same thing, Wu as in Wushu, like uh, is martial arts, so like military martial, and then Guan is just a, you know a word for place, depending on the type of place. So it's literally just like the martial place. Wu Guan. Yep. Very I good. like it. Yeah. So it's nice and simple. And at one point in like the new Blu-ray, it shows above one of the schools. It literally just says Wu Guan. Uh, and yeah, that would just be like martial arts. 
center. So uh, both third tones. So if I'm not or if I'm not mistaken, when you have two third tones in a row, the second third tone becomes a rising tone instead. So technically, it'd be guan. Yeah, but guan. There you go. Yeah. Once again, I'm not the the best with tones. Uh, but yeah. So that would be like a very traditional martial arts school or center. So uh, yeah, you would not call that like if you wanted to go to the gym, you would not say that. The, the gym is Zhongxin. Zhongxin. Yeah, yeah it doesn't like, sound as traditional as Wu Guan. Yeah, which Zhongxin literally means heart center. So, uh, oh, nice. yeah, so uh, like fitness center. Okay, anyways, perfect, uh, great episode. Looking forward to recording the next one. And I'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Sounds great. Peace, baby.